Warning! What follows is a story of monsters, madness, and mayhem. I'm Nick. I'm Zach. Welcome to Weird and Feared, a barely educational podcast about global folklore that aims to enlighten, entertain, and expand all your sweet little worlds. All right. Well, yes. Today, I want to talk about. We're going to talk about uh, the Old West or Wild West for a little bit. Okay, let's get wild. I'm down. Yeah. There's a period of time from the late 1700s up through the early 1900s. I feel like most people think of mid 1800s like your typical cowboy, they do. Wild West, yeah, type thing. You know, outlaws, all that fun stuff. Uh huh. But uh, yeah, they considered it. A little bit broader than that, but the Wild West had a everlasting impact on our country, whether it's realized or not. Fact. Sure, uh, maybe over exaggerated or over romanticized. No, now, but <laughs> it's still impactful nonetheless. Uh, the authors, Hire and Farragher. All right. They claim that. The frontier history tells the story of the creation and defense of communities, the use of the land, the development of markets, and the formation of states. It is a tale of conquest, but also one of survival, persistence, and the merging of peoples and cultures that gave birth and continuing life to America. Through treaties with foreign nations and native tribes, political compromise, military conquest, Establishment of law and order, the building of farms, ranches, and towns, marking of trails and digging of mines, and the pulling in of great migrations of foreigners, the United States expanded from coast to coast, fulfilling the dreams of manifest destiny. And then we got another author, okay, and he wrote the Frontier Thesis in 1893, and he theorized that the frontier was a process that transformed Europeans into a new people, the Americans, whose values focused on equality, democracy, optimism, as well as individualism and self-reliance. Those are American qualities. They're very American qualities. It's true. Uh, so through this sense of individualism and self-reliance, we see the necessity of generating income for oneself in this new landscape. Mm-hmm. With that, the entrepreneurial spirit comes with the wild west and it starts to show its true colors like i said outlaws bounty hunters you know farmers the oil railroad tycoons gold diggers oh yeah like in the literal sense absolutely yeah not 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 attractive ladies maybe maybe the other way around too though what if it was a gold digger going after a gold digger because he had all the gold i mean maybe that's where it really comes from oh jeez they followed all the guys out west yeah and that's why california is full of a bunch of babes I guess so. I mean, I'm just, that's not probably true. I don't know. Never been. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going off of movies. Yeah, that's true. But everybody comes, everybody heads to California from all over the place. Yeah. Some true melting pot. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyways. So, P.T. Barnum. No. Was an American businessman. Oh, God damn it. That was well known for embracing that entrepreneurial spirit. Oh, my God. That's, that's what he did. Yeah. <laughs> he sure did. Oh, boy. Uh as well as his fellow American, Samuel Barrett. I don't know how to say his last name. I'm going to say Edies. Okay. So Samuel Barrett Edies. Uh, Edies was an American sea captain. While out on a voyage, he met some Japanese sailors who claimed to have a mythical creature in their very possession. Oh, my God. It's going so hard so fast. Yeah. So Edies saw the creature, and he immediately paid a large sum to bring it into his possession. $6,000 in 1822. Holy shit. That is the equivalent of $130,000 right now. fuck. So he saw this thing and he was fuck. like, okay, yep, yep, I need it. There's my dollars. The creature he purchased would later become known to the world as the Fiji mermaid. 
Oh, good. I don't know what this is. No? I have no idea what this is. No. All right, cool. <laughs> good. Yeah, no clue. All right. So after some time. I'm so concerned. P.T. Barnum hears of this mermaid through an associate of his going by the pseudonym Dr. J. Griffin. Griffin and Ever the Showman Barm, Barnum uh, concocted a plan for their strange creature. Barnum began spreading word of the creature around New York, claiming to have a mermaid that had been caught near the island of Fiji. So that's definitely not true. This thing was not caught near Fiji. No. Um, so I said Edie's got it from some Japanese sailors, but I also saw accounts that some Dutch sailors may have had it from some Japanese sailors and stuff like that. It gets a little okay. convoluted. Sure. But Especially if it's being passed around or... yeah. So, uh, but yeah, they say they caught it near the island of Fiji. So eventually the press get wind and want to see the specimen. And most of them, once they gazed upon it, they were convinced that it was 100% legitimate, a mermaid. Oh, God. Yeah. Is there a God? Oh, my, oh my Lord. Barnum's plan, now in motion, the Fiji mermaid was the most talked about thing in New York. And, and with that, Dr. Griffin decided to display his creature at Barnum's American Museum. So they're they're working in cahoots a little bit here. Yeah, they're putting something together. Yeah. Uh, so while Barnum had used, he goes about and he uses beautiful, traditional, bare-breasted mermaids in all his advertisements. And what, what awaited the paying visitors to his museum oh my gosh. was something... Of a different nature. You want to take some guesses, or you want me to just keep going here? Well, I just like the fact that, of course, he's a marketing guy. So, like, what oh do you yeah, think he... mermaid. Yeah, you think bare-breasted fish lady. Oh yeah. I mean, I I can guess. I can, I because honestly, I I have no idea. I've never heard of this before. Yeah. So I can only, I mean, like a deformed, like a walrus, some kind of fucked up manatee, or some <laughs> human with some deformities in its lower extremities, or just like a rotted carcass. Those are good ideas. But yeah, he so he he plays this up, you know. He's playing on the idea that you know people want to see these beautiful who wouldn't women see? coming out of the ocean and stuff like that. Yeah, that's what people people guys would like to have relations with half fish, fish ladies. ladies. With, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess so. I guess yeah. So the monstrosity that awaited visitors was no. exactly that a monstrosity. Oh lord! It was a creature that had been made by man. No. It had. It was the upper torso of a juvenile monkey sewn onto the tail end of a fish. Oh my gosh! No one's gonna want to have sex with that. <laughs> oh my gosh! No. So that was a uh, very different than uh, what was expected. But most people still thought it was genuine. You know, not what they expected to see, but well, it's almost like they're like, oh, well, well, right, that can't be a mermaid. This is this is probably the realistic version, though. It's probably gonna look like this. Right. Yeah. It's a monkey with half. What was the other half? Fish. It was just a fish. Just a fish. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh and so eventually it came to light that that's what it was, but oh my luckily God. Edie's had died years before that, and I like to think that's for the best since he didn't have to have any idea that he spent 130,000 modern dollars on two dead animals sewn together. So he had never seen it. Well, he saw it. Oh, he did see it? But he died thinking it was real. Okay. And then his son inherited it. And then his son uh, sold it to somebody. He's like, oh, the Dr. Griffin. He's like, yeah, get this out of here. Nobody yeah. wants this. Oh, I do. When you said it came to light, I was horrified. I thought you were going to say, and then it came to life. Oh, I was like, no. oh, my God. Yeah, so luckily Edie's didn't know, and because otherwise he may have felt quite the sucker. And like the quote attributed to P.T. Barnum, a sucker is born every minute. Because apparently these were considered some sort of traditional art amongst Japanese fishermen. Okay. So, that was a thing. They're just having fun. Oh my God, imagine other collections. Yeah, they probably had a decent amount of them over there. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. All right, we're going to change directions here a little bit now. Okay. So, with all the expansion of the U.S., logging had become an enterprise itself. Pretty big business okay lots of wood was needed and uh lumberjacks 
another American archetype. You know, you got your cowboys, got your lumberjacks. Paul Bunyan. He's a big dude. <laughs> Literally, he's a big dude. Yeah, he is pretty big. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even mean that. Yeah. Uh, but with that, lumberjacks, they had their own set of tales that they would pass from camp to camp. These fearsome critters, as they're known as, which I just learned about this. Okay. Fearsome critters is a whole subsect of uh, cryptids, essentially. The term fearsome critters? Mm-hmm. It's uh, all-American. Uh, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Sure. But these fearsome critters are known. Well, they're known. Were typically a means to pass time, really. They were like a tall tale or as a means of hazing newcomers to the logging industry. Makes sense. I mean, these guys need something to do. Yeah, they're just out in the woods cutting down trees. And just thinking of things. Yeah. So, in a typical fearsome critter gag, a person would casually remark about a strange noise or sight they encountered in the wild. Subsequently, another accomplice would join in. Meanwhile, an eavesdropper would begin to investigate. As Henry H. Tryon recorded in his book, Fearsome Critters, 1939. So, an example he has is Sam would lead with a colorful bit of description, and Walter would follow suit with an arresting spot of personal experience. Every detail being set forth with the utmost solemnity. Oh, man. Yeah. Tongue twister, that one. Absolutely. Uh, And with exactly the correct degree of emphasis at the end so deftly had the cards been played that the listener was completely convinced of the animal's existence the method of presentation is widely used for the best results two narrators who can in quotes keep the ball in the air are necessary and perhaps an occasional general question is tossed to someone in the audience such inquiries being invariably accorded a grave corroborative nod this so, is this is such a stage play. This is theater. Oh yeah, it's, these guys are bored. <laughs> they're like they're like, how can we scare people? It's just like a well scripted, uh, scary story. Right. Yeah. It's 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 like a script writing, or almost Camp- like somebody's campfire. Exactly. You know, ghost story. But everybody has a role to play. I mean, it mm. sounds fun. It does sound fun. It makes you want to meet new people. It makes you want to go cut down trees and hang out in the woods. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. Many of the fearsome critters, I'm going to keep referring to them. Please do. Were simply the products of pure exaggeration, while a number, however, were used either seriously or jokingly as an explanation for some unexplained phenomena. For example, the hide-behind served to account for loggers who failed to return to camp. The who? The hide-behind. Great. While the tree squeak... Don't. ...offered justification... (laughs) For strange noises heard in the woods, a handful of mirrored descriptions of of actual animals, the mangrove killfish, which takes up shelter in decaying branches after leaving the water, exhibits similarities to uh, the upland trout, which is a legendary fish purported to nest in trees. In addition, the story of the Phililoo, a mythical crane that flies upside down, may have been inspired by observations of the wood stork a bird that has been actually witnessed briefly flying upside down. So the character of fearsome critters themselves has, was usually more comical than frightful. Uh, often greater emphasis is placed on behavioral traits with little or no detail mentioned on their appearance, as in the cases of the hide behind, which I already mentioned, the hide behind was a nocturnal creature, wandered the woods at night, He's to blame uh, for loggers disappearing. It's uh, it was really good at hiding behind stuff. <laughs> I would, I never never would have guessed. Well, I read that and I made sure to put it in yeah. my notes here just so we didn't get any <laughs> any confusion. Yeah, I started to flounder at first until you read it, and I was like, okay, yeah, I hide got behind. Him. I got him. Now. What do you think I, he's good at? I know what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. Also, the tea kettler. Uh, what a tea kettler? Okay, was a sn- small, stubby-legged dog. With cat ears, which sounds like uh, a cat or a dog or either. Yeah. I mean, an animal, but either way, it only walks backwards with steam pouring from its mouth as it whistles. Scary. Few lumberjacks have seen one 
as they no. are very shy. No. But if a tea kettle is heard but not found, one is nearby. That's that's amazing. Oh yeah, I got a few more. Oh please. Here. I don't know what this one means at all. I couldn't find it. The squidicum squee. Who? <laughs> I don't know Squidgic, what that means. Squidicum squee. That sounds now got a little dirtier. Uh, I guess. <clears throat> and uh, then we have the hang down. I'm guessing he's similar to the hide behind, except for he probably hangs down. I think you might be right. I could be wrong. I chance. couldn't find anything about it. I think you're probably pretty close. Some critters like flitterix or the goofus. Now we're just making appeared a- to be ordinary animals that just behaved out of the ordinary. Now we're just making a Pokemon. <laughs> so the goofus oh is a bird that flies backwards and nests upside down. He sounds like a total goofus to me. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so uh, the more physically emphasized and improbable creatures seem to be distinguished by how far the storyteller could push the boundaries. <laughs> you know, like you know, somebody would just go to town on this. Oh, yeah. Uh, both the Tripodero and the Snollygoster oh demonstrate facets more in common with mechanical apparatuses than animals. It's and, not... And the Hoogog... Oh, my gosh. And Sidehill oh Gouger seem to be more play on applied physics. The Sidehill Gouger is a creature that's supposedly has longer limbs on one side of its body and shorter on the other okay. so that it can live its life on slopes of mountains and hills more easily. Oh, evolution. Oh, makes throw a little science in there. Makes sense. Yeah, except for the offspring. You know, sometimes they grow on the wrong side, so then no. they can't travel in the same direction. No. Yeah. That's a tortured soul there. Mm-hmm. Imagine the family drama. Right? Like, you can't come with us. Sorry. You, Why not? I, you literally can't. You, you can't walk this way. You cast out. Find a different slope. Sorry. Start your own community. Yeah. Beat it. Scram. But mom, mm, you're done. Mm-hmm. You fucked up. <laughs> you <laughs> fucked up, mom. You made me this way. I made a mistake. <laughs> you're a mistake. Yikes, mom. So, fearsome critters are pretty cool. There's a whole list of them. And we'll have to do a... I'll do an episode of Fearsome Critters. God, I want you to. At some point. I mean, this is kind of, this. get into it a little bit. That's fine. So, uh. This but, concept I'm in love with. Right. Yeah. Hey, it's just silly. It's just lumberjacks trying to see if they can scare each other. I mean, this is the kind of, this is the creativity I feel the world is missing. Because yeah. this is astounding. Mm-hmm. Uh. But I want to talk about one of these fearsome critters that was actually caught. What? Yeah. In 1893, newspapers reported the discovery of a hodag in Rhinelander, Wisconsin. It had the head of a frog, the grinning face of a giant elephant, thick short legs set off by huge claws, the back of a dinosaur, and a long tail with spears at the end. Well, that's great. Uh-huh. That's a thing. Yeah, it's cool. That's great. <laughs> the hodag. <laughs> the hodag. The reports were instigated by well-known Wisconsin land surveyor, timber cruiser, and prankster, Eugene Shepard. Oh, Eugene. Who rounded up a group of local people to capture the animal. The group reported that they needed to use dynamite to kill the beast. The fuck? Uh, the remains of a charred beast were photographed and sent to the media. And the picture is absurd. It's is it available for me to look at? Yeah, I can. We can make it. Yeah, let me just run over there real quick. Uh huh. So it's a bunch of, you know, eighteen hundreds dudes standing around a creature on a log. Oh my god! I see its face. Yeah. <laughs> and they uh, all look. We got pitchforks. We got rifles. I don't. Whatever this thing is, a shovel maybe, an axe. It looks like an axe maybe. This looks like it was like taken yesterday as a joke. Like the period piece, all the elements are just so outlandish. Mm-hmm. It's so it's over accurate, and that thing's expression is absurd. <laughs> it's it looks like it's happy to be dead. Yeah, and so it's ridiculous. Yeah, it is. But people think it's real. Like they bought it. Like 
uh, you're gonna have to look up this picture. I can't describe this that well. Uh, I'll get into a little bit more here, but just look up the picture of the hodag captured by Eugene Shepard. It's it's right on the Wikipedia page if you want to try that. Is it um? Is it spelled? Is it the is it the traditional spelling? <laughs> it's like hobag, except for hodag. <laughs> so yes, beautiful. Um, but again, in 1896, mm-hmm. Shepard managed to capture another hodag. He's in a roll. Yeah. He's a technique. He's the hodag expert. I'm glad. Somebody's got to do it, you know? <laughs> it's true. Uh, however, this one was captured alive. Oh, no. This poor creature. <laughs> <laughs> this poor thing. Shepard claimed he and several bear wrestlers placed chloroform on the end of a long pole, which they used to help overcome the beast. All this sounds true. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The bear wrestlers. Yeah. I mean, I like that that's a profession. Exactly. That's a career. In 1896, you could get paid to wrestle bears. God, what what, the 18th century, the 19th century is so wild. It was... What a time. It seemed like a fun time. What a time to be like. Like you mentioned, the West was a thing, and it was all just open. Nobody knew what anybody was doing. It was a free-for-all. Yeah, I mean, at this point... We're still missing like 10 states probably. Uh-huh. Yeah, of course. Maybe a couple more. I don't know. Somewhere around there. No, you're about right. Yeah. Because I was curious about that because I was like, when when was the Wild West still the Wild West? Like, when was it uh, all states? Yeah. I mean... I mean, we were 48 until 1959. Right. We're only 48 states, so, you know. I think uh, Oklahoma... There's a few in the late... Or early 1900s. Uh, but it was still, it was like New Mexico, Arizona, Oklahoma. So, you know, like some Western yeah, the west, states. Yeah, like, as far. It was still West. Yeah. But anyways, before we get too far, let's start talking about that. Yeah, we don't want to talk about states. We want to talk about what's going on. We're going to talk, talk about this, this shepherd dude with his captured hodag. What do you think he does? Well, it's alive, right? Yeah. So he's going to pay people to come look at it. Yeah. He's going to have a show. He's going to have a festival. Just like P.T. Barnum. He sees an opportunity to make a buck here. God. So. America's entrepreneurs just, man, (laughs) you guys. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. You guys. They do some fun stuff. They do because anything's anything's fair game. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to fall for it and they make a buck off you, who's the real fool? Right. They win. Yeah. So anyways... Uh, he decides to have a display for the hodag at the Oneida County Fair. And after that, in a shanty near his house. Great. Good place for a hodag. Viewers would come to see the hodag, and they would flee in terror when they saw it move. Because they were on edge, you know. They're this mythical beast in their uh-huh. presence. So it gets starts getting some uh, real attention behind it. Eventually, the Smithsonian Institution gets involved. It's too official. And they send scientists to investigate, only to realize that it was some sort of taxidermied creature with wires attached to it. No. So Shepard's just got this thing, and he's pulling wires to freak people out. Oh, so it was dead? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I couldn't figure out what it actually was, like, that was taxidermied together. From this picture, it kind of looks like a pig torso to me. Like, I don't know what the head is. I guess... I guess that's better, right? They didn't torture a living being. Like, it's just done. The suffering's over. Yeah. But he's got this corpse in his yard, and he's playing with strings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The puppet master. Yeah, but it was freaking people out. It freaked me out. Yeah. So, the hodag, though, um, may become my favorite thing, though, because... Rhinelander, Wisconsin seems incredible. No. They, they love the hodag. It's so good. Uh, let me find my website here because we're going to talk about what is happening in Rhinelander, Wisconsin because they've just adopted the hodag. It is their thing and they love it from what I can tell. And it makes me want to go to Rhinelander, Wisconsin 
and learn more about this. I know you've looked this up. How many hours does it take to get there? Oh, I, I haven't you looked didn't? it up because oh, I don't want to. Oh. Because I will go. You will, okay, fair. Uh, fair. It's got to be close to Milwaukee, though, so it can't okay. be too far. So very doable. Um, so I am on the Rhinelander, Wisconsin's official town page. And I'm on the Explorer Rhinelander section. Okay. And what is a hodag? Deep in the woods near Rhinelander, Wisconsin, lurks a mysterious, ferocious, and mischievous beast called the hodag. The hodag is rarely seen, but often blamed for missing sunglasses, lost keys, and helping the big one get away from anglers. But what do we really know about this legendary Northwoods beast? Here's some information that has been pieced together over the years. So, I'm looking at a diagram of the hodag and i'll show you real quick Please and then see. i'm going to read you what it says Whoa! oh yeah i'm drawing that immediately oh my god uh-huh oh my so, god we'll start with the hodag's eyes the late summer sunset sunset stole its co- color from the hodag's eyes it's dramatic mm-hmm. hodag tears make the world's best lemonade unfortunately the hodag never cries <laughs> That's Chuck Norris shit right there. The hodag will eat fish fresh out of the lake, but he prefers a traditional Wisconsin fish fry with potato pancakes. Potato pancakes. When the wind blows through the hodag's fur, it plays a perfect version of beer barrel polka. God damn it, you guys. The horns on the hodag, if it tilts its head just right, the hodag can pick up every Milwaukee Brewers radio broadcast, but the reception's a little fuzzy. Oh, just a little, huh? And the spikes on his tail serve as perfect marshmallow roasting sticks. The hodag is a scratch golfer, but he never needs to buy golf balls either. He just collects the ones that are hit into the woods. The hodag smells exactly like a pine-scented car air freshener. And then it's got a, a timeline. Sure. 1893, the hodag was discovered. Paps won the blue ribbon the same year. Coincidence is what it says right right here. Never. No. No fucking way. Uh, in 1959, President John F. Kennedy received a replica hodag during his trip to Rhinelander. It is said that he used the beast for inspiration while writing his inaugural address. All right. <laughs> in 1967, the hodag was the third string center for the Green Bay Packers oh, during the Ice Bowl. Probably. <laughs> He probably was. Uh, in 2009, the Hodag raised the prize-winning milking goat in the Wisconsin State Fair. Great. I mean, w- what more would you like to know? Who discovered the Hodag? Let's go with that one. Yeah, sure. Uh, oh, and they have Hodags all around Rhinelander, apparently. I need a t-shirt. Okay, so who discovered it? We already went over that. It's right. basically everything I summarized. Got it. Let's go with what does the Hodag look like? According to 1893 news accounts of Eugene Shepard's discovery, the hodag had the head of a frog, grinning face of a giant elephant, thick short legs set off by huge claws, back of a dinosaur, and long tails, uh, long tail with spears at the end. It also had green eyes, huge fangs, and two horns sprouting from its temples. The hodag reportedly breathed fire, smoke, and had a pungent smell, a combination of buzzard meat and skunk perfume. Yeah. Early reports said it was about 7 feet long, 30 inches tall, and weighed in at about 200 pounds. A little bit more there. Let's uh, keep going, because this uh, this website was very entertaining to me earlier. It's not good for a podcast, but I hate when I'm just in awe. Yeah. I don't know what to do here. I'm just absorbing it. I'm like, yep, uh-huh. keep going. Yep, you better tell me about what else is going on as a website. So, where does the hodag live? I'd love to know. I hope you tell me. The Hodag's only... This is, again, from the Rhinelander website. The Hodag's only known habitat is the forested area surrounding Rhinelander, the county seat of Oneida County in Wisconsin's North Woods. Uh, In the 1800s, Rhinelander was a lumber community, and lumberjacks, especially Gene Shepard, provided some of the first accounts of the Hodag. Today, the expansive forest around Rhinelander are popular with bikers and hikers across country and cross country skiers. Nearly a quarter of Oneida is undeveloped land that's open for public rec- recreation, so visitors have lots of opportunities to see the Hodag 
in the wild. There's an interactive map where you can find hodags. No. And there's a hodag-themed tour of Rhinelander. This It's just too much. I have to go to this place. Yeah, we're going. And just at the bottom here, I'm not going to click the link because we need to move past the hodag at this point. We have to move past but, the hodag? Oh, yeah. Oh, we got more to talk about. Oh, my God. So I got... There's a link and it says, what does Rhinelander think of the hodag? And then it just says, we love him. I'm not even <laughs> going to click that link because it's going to be too much for me to handle right now. It's probably just balloons. It's probably just somebody hugging a, a hodag because there's statues of them everywhere. And there's like, it's like pictures of people hanging out with the hodag statues and it's too much. I need to be there. I mean, anybody, I mean, I feel like there's two people in this world, people who love the hodag and people who don't. Yeah. And if you don't like the hodag, I don't want to know you. No. Get you're out of you're my, probably a monster. Get out of my yeah, you're the real monster. Get out of my life. <sighs> yep. God, so good. Mm-hmm. Another comedic ho- comedy hoax by some entrepreneurial spirits, and it was my favorite, and now it's been contested with the hodag. It's the jackalope. Oh yeah. Infamous. <laughs> Jackalopes are cool. Yes. Oh shit. Yeah, I mean, you you saw what is in my parents' place in Michigan, mm-hmm. right? It's incredible. Yep. That thing would fuck you up. I want a jackalope for myself, and I will get one next time I go west again. Perfect. Anyways, in 1939, Douglas Herrick and his brother had gone hunting for hares. Uh, after a successful hunt, they came back and tossed the jackrabbit on the floor, where it landed next to the to some deer antlers, and thus, inspiration. <laughs> Being a taxidermist, uh, Eric made the dream a reality. He sold the first jackalope for $10. This, in 1939, that's the equivalent of uh, just under $200 today. Jesus. So, again, somebody's making money off it. Worth it. And they became pretty popular, and he started selling them more and more. Uh you know, became pretty profitable. And although most agree that they are fake, some hmm. or hmm. fearsome critters, some do insist that they see jackalopes in the wild. So, um, for those who do believe, the jackalope is said to be an antlered species of rabbit, sometimes rumored to be extinct or just, you know, a legit cryptid. Yeah. Well, that's what some people right. argue. Um, so, one of the rarest animals in the world is a cross between a now extinct pygmy deer and a species of killer rabbit. However, occasional sightings of this rare creature do continue to occur with small pockets of jackalope populations persisting in the American West. The antlered species of rabbit are brownish in color weigh between three and five pounds, and move with lightning speeds of up to 90 miles per hour. Yikes! It's a fast bunny. Yikes, why you can't see it? They are said to be vicious when attacked and use their antlers to fight. Thus, they are sometimes referred to as the warrior rabbit. Don't do that. (laughs) The jackalope was first encountered by John Coulter, one of the first white men to enter what would uh, one day become the state of Wyoming. They also allegedly possess an uncanny ability to mimic human sounds and when chased will use these abilities to elude capture. During the days of the Old West, when cowboys gathered by the campfires singing at night, jackalopes could often be heard mimicking their voices. Um, so, most of these occur in Wyoming, Colorado, Nebraska, and New Mexico. But they also have... There's a European version of the jackalope in germany known as the Volpertinger. beautiful name i looked that up it is pretty much a jackalope but it takes it up a notch what does it do it's got wings too and fangs wow it's a little german touch huh mm-hmm. jesus but that's cool that's amazing so i didn't know any of that about jackalopes i just you know always knew that they were just they look cool yeah and they were uh hares that's, yeah. They're not bunnies. No. But uh, with antlers on them, you know. So 
some of these sightings may not be as easy to write off as you would think, though. Okay, I'm ready. Uh, references to horned rabbits uh, kind of originate in sightings of rabbits affected by Shope papilloma virus. What is that in rabbits? Um, initially examined in wild cottontail rabbits that had been shot by hunters in Iowa. They were later examined. Um, they had norm- numerous horn-like protuberances on the skin over various parts of their bodies. Oh. So they became known as horned or warty. And I looked up some pictures of this. It's kind of weird looking. Yeah. Uh, but it's like... It's like bone sticking out? or It's not so much bone necessarily, but it's like a hard looking thing. It's almost like a like a weaponized wart or something. Like it looks Kinda. like pointy. Does it look pointy or is it rounded? It just looks it, like bumps. It just looks like, no, they get pretty long. They're, for, looking at it on a bunny, it's probably about two inches long. Yikes. And they grow all over their body. Like the few pictures I saw were more on the face than on like the top of the head. Poor guy. But it says they grow everywhere. So, you know, not quite. People might be seeing what they think are jackalopes, but it's just really sick yeah, this rabbits. Poor, this poor creature. Yeah. But I guess, like, sometimes they'll grow over the face and the, they won't be able to eat and stuff like that. So, man. It's not great. No. But, you know, they could be out there. I don't think they're uh, moving at 90 miles an hour, though, if I had to guess. No, that was just. Well, because the cool thing about a jackalope is, like, it's a believable design. Yeah. A creature could look like that. Yeah. I mean, there's weirder things for sure. I mean, those old deer, how, you know, the, the deer with the fangs. Yeah. No, those are, but I mean, those, some of those are even still around. I mean, platypus are still out there, and those are weird. Uh huh. Absolutely. If you, if you saw a platypus not knowing it's a real creature, you would think it was a taxidermy thing. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's got a duck bill on like a beaver body. Yeah, you'd be like, what? Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. No, it does not. And it lays eggs, but it's a mammal. Yeah, that it like breaks all f- the rules. Yeah, platypus doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. This brings me, though, to my last taxidermied creature that I want to talk about tonight. I can't believe it keeps escalating. Today, depending on what time you're listening to this. That's true. I can't believe it keeps escalating. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited. This one's a little different, though. Okay. Uh, The ringdacacus. Excuse me? The ringdacacus. Okay. Ringdacus, sorry. I'm adding a a syllable in there. Okay. Ringdacus. My bad. But... So I kept saying it ringed a to myself earlier, and then I watched some videos, and I was like, mm. "Damn it!" I've been just making up how that's spelled. Damn it! You make you have like a sing-songy feel, but that's all right. Yeah, like it, you know, flowed. Right, but it is the ringed Okay. The difference between this and the others that I've talked about is this one has not been proven, or not been disproven as a hoax. Go on. Mm-hmm. I'm invested here. So one morning in 1886, Israel Ammon Hutchins awoke to find a mystery beast loose on his land. Hutchins had moved to Madison Valley, Montana, for the same reason many Americans were settling west. Fertile, cheap land provided more opportunity for his family than anything back east. But Hutchins probably didn't expect to run into an unknown predator, a ferocious-looking animal that seemed to be part wolf, part hyena the first time Hutchins spotted the creature which was running after his cows he took a shot at it and missed accidentally killing one of his own cows no yeah that's a bad time that's not good those are valuable they are you just cost yourself money mm-hmm. or you know hunger i don't know well that's right not a, <laughs> yeah. some bad stuff possibly uh-huh however the second time it wandered onto his property his shot had found the mark the creature was fatally wounded though it exerted the remainder of its strength attempting to reach and harm the family. So this thing, I guess, terrorized um, the Hutchins Ranch and the livestock of Madison Valley, like the entire county or town, Mm -hmm. uh, preying on cows and sheep. Its Its blood-curdling cries kept residents fearful day and night. Hutchinson's, Hutchins, I'm making up names again. You're right. Hutchins traded the beast's body to a local taxidermist uh, 
Joseph Sherwood, who gave him a new cow for the beast. You know, they wanted this. He was amazed by this thing. He's like, I'll give you whatever you want. Okay, cow for this beast, you lost a cow deal. Right, and and the whole town was, like, in fear of this thing. So they finally got it, and the taxidermist mounted the animal. You know, he taxidermied it up. Right. And he's the one that named it the Ringdacus. Should have talked to me, buddy. We would have named it the Ringdacus. It's... Ring to cock is a little more marketable, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. But he displayed it in his shop uh, just across the Idaho border. And, you know, people were happy about this. They they killed this beast. Nobody knew what it was. Everybody was terrified of it. Uh, so bringing our, our guy, Lorne Coleman. Yes. Cryptozoologist. He believes that the creature may be a... Shunka Warakin. What is that? It's from the Lowe tribe, um, who is sort of this part of the Sioux Nation or was. And it is a creature that is said to resemble both wolf and hyena. I mean that's it, right? I mean yeah. that's so specific. Right. So the ring docus was said to be much too large for a wolf, and looking at pictures of it. it does seem oddly shaped for one from what I was looking at him. Yeah. You know, it's like, eh, I don't know what that is exactly. Um, but they said it was big in the like whole screaming kind of thing that it did at night. Yeah. That everybody in, uh, Madison Valley, I mean, you don't normally hear about wolves screaming. No. Is it a cryptid though? It has not been identified as a wolf. But most people think it has remained unidentified, so it doesn't devalue its display. It was at the Idaho Museum of Natural History for a long time, or it's currently displayed in the Madison Valley uh, History Museum. Because as much as I enjoy Lauren Coleman's work, and I want to think he's, you know, seeing stuff, and he's doing... All this cool stuff. Right. Between December 2005 and November 2006, an unusual-looking wolf killed 36 sheep, injured 71 more in McCone and surrounding counties in Montana. It was shot on November 2nd, 2006 in Garfield County, Montana, killing after it had racked up a body count of 120 sheep. That's so many sheep. Uh-huh. That's so many Initially, Montana wildlife officials were unable to identify the 106-pound reddish-yellow animal. Lauren Coleman suggested that it was a Shunka Warakin, but it has since been identified by the Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks Department as a four-year-old male wolf with unusually colored fur. Hmm. So, I mean, cryptozoology, it's not always an exact science. I know that. Right. But... I'm kind of disappointed that, that they... I think they're just not testing it because they're going to find out it's some it's just a wolf. But maybe not. Yeah, they don't want to break their dream. I mean, the only thing I can think about is the man who thinks there's dire wolves in his backyard. Yeah, Fergatonia. Yeah, right, those wolves of Fergatonia. Yeah. Clearly just coyotes. Yeah. But I mean, the fact that it took them a few steps to figure... Like, it, it wasn't like a quick identification makes you go hmm yeah and i can show you the picture too while we're sitting here talking about it yeah please um and then the but the way this thing sounds like it sounds unusual enough like not quite like a jackalope design but like it's a believable design of a different kind of species like it's not super outlandish right no like wolf and hyena you said wolf right yeah wolf and hyena mix yeah i mean that's you know a reasonable looking creature from what i'm picturing in my head yeah and i actually looked it up in uh Way back, I don't remember the eras and whatever, but hy- there were hyenas in North America, actually, which I hadn't, I had no idea. You know, so that's it. That's the ring docus. Thoughts? Yeah, my thoughts are that it looks exactly like. I mean, yeah, that's believable, but it doesn't. It doesn't just look like a standard wolf at all. No, it doesn't look like a normal wolf that you would typically see. No, it looks scary. Even the whole face and the way it's standing. It's got like a, more of an arched kind of back. I don't know. It's different. It's definitely different. Look at look yeah, that up. It's too. very different. You know, get your own opinions. Tell us what you think. 
Um, but it's different. It's definitely not your average wolf. Even if it is just a wolf, it is one of those where we've talked about this in many episodes. It's an outlier, possibly. Right. You know. But uh, because well, even the face, like I've looked at, because I've been drawing some wolves for a certain wolves of Fergatoni illustration. I'm looking at lots of pictures of wolves. Mm-hmm. Like it's not that doesn't look like a wolf. Like it does, but it doesn't. Yeah. There's none of the fluffy fur, like even just that. I mean, it's and the darker color. It's I mean, it's it's a strange thing. Yeah, that needs to be googled by anyone listening to the show because ring docus. The ring docus. Yeah. So this episode uh, was brought to you, you by taxidermied entrepreneurs. <laughs> <laughs> the American spirit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just thought it was fun to. There's so many of these. Like, they just keep going. Well, they're amazing, and it exists. Like, taxidermy was like hands-on Photoshop. Yeah. And you had to see it in person. Yeah. Uh, this is still a thing. Like, now it's called Rogue Taxidermy, because okay. I went down this path for a little bit. Too. I like that this happened. And it's it's like an art form now. I mean, <clears throat> not that it wasn't really back then, I guess, but right. now it's like, you know, people know. It's more intentional. Like, yeah. Like, they're being judged on how impressive the creature looks. Yeah, and some of them are pretty impressive. Oh some of them are God. really weird, where they... I saw one where it was a monkey with like some sort of bone face, but then it had crab claws for hands. <gasps> and then there's ones where it's like a half vulture, half cat, <clears throat> like a play on like a, what is that? Ah, I don't know. Not a griffin, but something like that. Like a um, chimera. That's the Yes, one that's of. where I was going. Beautiful. <clears throat> and then a... Uh, uh, there's all sorts of weird ones, some really kind of disturbing looking ones, and but it's art, you know. Absolutely, imagine sculpting with an animal's body. Well, some of them too, like the whole Fiji fish thing is still pretty popular. They don't really do that so much with a fish body anymore. A lot of it's paper mache and like faux okay. fur and stuff like that, but it's still pretty wild. Right. Like they look like you're using actual animal parts and stuff. Yeah, because then at that point, you're just doing, like, movie special effects. Like, look at how badass this creature looks I made. Like, yeah. yeah, it looks fucking great. Yeah. So it's... They're pretty cool. They're pretty weird, though. They're out there. That's amazing. Yeah. P.T. Barnum. That fucking guy. Yeah, we can do more stuff on him. He was a weird guy. We absolutely could. Yeah, we're talking about... If we could talk about monsters. P.T. Barnum this week. Yeah. Out of control. Yeah, I didn't realize they finally closed down... The uh, Barnum and Bailey Circus is it is it all done? I knew yeah. it was like. I think, it, I think it, was, it said 2017. It was done. Well, it was a good run. I mean, now, I was, I'm not gonna say it's a good run. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long run. Yeah, it's a long run. Right, that's what I meant. It's a yeah. lengthy run. Yeah, but the hodag, the hodag, <sighs> it's given the jackalope a run for its money. That thing is so ridiculous. I can see how your search went. Yeah. Going around the jackalope stuff and coming across the hodag and then not knowing what to do with yourself. I, I, I don't know what I to do with what, myself. The, uh, I don't know what to do right now. I need to look it up how far away it is. I'm going to be in Wisconsin this weekend. Oh my gosh. Could you be around the hodag? I need to be if it has to happen. If I'm anywhere nearby. Can you? Would it be the ultimate role playing if you like customized yourself a costume of the hodag? Oh. So you were a cool. taxidermic creature? My dinosaur costume I'm I have thinking is not that. too far from that. I'm thinking that. Hmm. Maybe it'll be a hodag for Halloween this year. God, it'd be... Nobody um, will know what I am, and it'll fine. be amazing. What are you, the hodag? What? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. That's me. Uh, oh, are you like a dinosaur with a... We got a horn... No, I'm a hodag. I'm a, I'm a hodag. What? Yeah, I'm from Wisconsin. What? Yeah. Just... Feed me cheese and beer, please. Yeah, see this fur, I can I can jack into the radio frequencies of the nearest brewery. <laughs> Brewers, the the baseball team. <laughs> oh, <laughs> hilarious! That makes more sense. Yeah, I was like, why was he jacking into all these breweries? Yeah, that was I mean, the brewers. that's cool too, right? No, he, I'm sure he could, the whole deck can do both. He just broadcast the baseball game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's absurd. It's fantastic. The whole deck. People who want to have fun. Yeah, that town seems fun. Oh, it's five hours. Oh. It's up by... Uh, oh, it's a little longer. It's up north of Green Bay. Oh. That's a, that's a trek. I don't think I'm going to be up that far. That's a trek. I will be sometime, though. Well, when you do, it's hodag season. Oh, yeah. Going on the hodag hunt. The hodag hunt. 
That sounds so terrible. <laughs> Just walk into a shop, like a gas station, and you guys find any hodags lately? <laughs> what? We sell fruit juice. Huh. Well, where's the hodag? <laughs> yeah, where's he at? His tears are lemonade. Can I draw him out? I just want to drink his tears. Yeah. You guys serve any hodag tears lemonade? That's got to be a thing you can buy up there. Uh, like some mm. just slap a label on it. Like that happens. That exists. Yep. Damn it. 100%. All right, well, what do you think? Closing this fucker out? Yeah, let's wrap it up. All right, baby. Well, of course, this was Weird and Feared. If you have anything, any stories, if you own or have seen a hodag, you oh, should email If you us. own a hodag. Yeah, we would like to... Get in touch with me, please. We would like to encounter him and listen to baseball games through his fur. You can email us at weirdandfearedpodcast <laughs> at gmail.com, Instagram, Weird and Feared, Facebook, Weird and Feared. If you want to leave us a voice message about the hodag you have met and are friends with, you can uh, go to anchor. Um, dot fm slash weird and fear and leave us a little voice message and talk about a hodag if you are a hodag you can leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash weird and fear and get in touch with us and if you would like to you know what i don't know do you enjoy coffee i do yeah so i mean like for the uh for the low price of a cheap coffee if you want to like throw a dollar into the patreon just to help this fucker out this show get going yeah that's absolutely an greatly appreciated yeah if you're okay with throwing away just a dollar for a cup of coffee Dollar a month isn't awful. Just saying that. We want to buy. What if there was a book about the hodag? We could use your money to buy it. Mm-hmm. Just saying. We could do a whole episode dedicated to the hodag. Who could help us drive five hours to encounter the hodag? I'm just saying. If you want to be a part of history, mm-hmm. <laughs> you have that option. Otherwise, you can just enjoy your life and stay spooky. Yeah, stay spooky. Do it. Do it.